0: Hi everyone, welcome to the Court Joe Podcast. Really appreciate it. If you're a new listener or a returning listener, here's what we have lined up for you on this episode. Throwing them in the deep
1: end, um, giving them the ownership and you know developing these like deeper learning leadership skills in the changing room 10 minutes where I'm not involved. And I came back and the flip chart was absolutely full. Education is very similar to football and and sports and professional sports. It's constantly changing.
0: Me and Michael will discuss developing the adaptability in individuals within a training setting. How does this look? How will we work on it? How will we observe and gauge improvement? Hi Mick, uh, cheers for joining us on the Coach Out podcast, really good to get you on, uh, like I said we're going to chat tonight quite a lot around developing the adaptability in an individual, in your, in your setting, in other settings and just just kind of chew the fat on it really. Uh, but just really quickly, um, just give us a little rundown on kind of where you're at at the minute, uh, what's kind of got you to where you are mate.
1: Yeah, no problem, yeah, looking forward to it. Um, so yeah, um, currently um, I'll work backwards if you like, um, currently I'm at Moreham just starting with the 15, 16s, and the season got up and coming. Uh, I've done the past two years with the 14s. Previous to that, done a little bit of Everton's RTC working in the girls' programme, under-12s to under-10s. Uh, my full-time role, I work for Everton Football Club in their football college, so it's uh, pretty full-on. Um, constantly busy like yourself. Um, and then before that, I um, worked out a little bit in Australia, Worked for Liverpool Football Club on their international academy. Um, coached in a bit of primary schools when i when I was at university and a college um, so that's when I got the the real bug for it really about, about fifteen years ago now while I was still at college yeah and uh, here
0: we are today oh really man, yeah, so like I said, we'll go straight into like to put you on the spot to start um what how would you define like adaptability
1: in a player yeah I, I thought long and hard about this, and you know it, it's I think you can make it as simple and as as complicated as it can i mean for me, b- being able to to play in different environments and, and adapt into different situations and what I like to call the what if moments, um, and I'll, I'll I'll delve into them in a little bit, but just you know adaptability, I think now especially in in today's game with you know new systems of play, new cultures, new managers change, and I think academy players need to to show that like that sort of quality really about being adaptable. Um, as they progress through the phases, especially when they start 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 to get to the the PDP phase, where you know scholarships and things like that are getting spoken about, um, you know. So again, dealing with different surroundings, different cultures, uh, the what if moments. As I'll I'll go into a bit more, bit more detail yeah. a bit later on. Um, I think yeah, it, it's it's and I think it's about how you sell it. I think a lot of players, you look at them and you say to them, you need to be adaptable. And I, I think a lot of the young ones especially the group I'm working with now, you sort of have to sell it to them and, and why it's important and making sure they understand it before you actually coach it um, and, and showing the importance of it. And I think, you know, in terms of my own coaching, I tend to throw them in the deep end a lot. Um, Whether, you know, some people might think that's a little bit harsh at times, but I think, you know, they're in it, they, they want to be a professional footballer, they're going to have to adapt to the game, the game's ever yeah. evolved, ever evolving.
0: Should go into that like your like the deep end in terms of giving an example of that. When yeah, you're so,
1: coaching. Yeah, I mean, every sort of session, I try to make my sessions as game based as possible. And um in terms of, you know, I try to focus on, you know, the who, what, when, where, why and and, and all things like that, which I've just covered recently on my B licence. And it was one of my it was one of my sort of action points, if you like, to to delve into that a little bit of deep deeper with the players. Um so in terms of how I sort of coach it. Um, every session as I've said it tries to be as as game-based as possible and talk about these what if moments so what happens if we're reduced to 10 players what happens if the other teams reduced to 10 players and helping the players you know giving them sort of solution or sorry giving them scenarios and and guiding them towards the solutions as much as you possibly can and making it very player-led so in terms of you know I try to plan a lot of sessions where I know there's going to be a lot of chaos and I like to watch on how the players adapt to it. Who's getting a lot of the ball, who's sort of shying away from it. But again, back to the what if moments, I think there's, there's lots and lots of scenarios that you can go through in, in every sort of practice that, you know, you're giving the players opportunities to adapt to different situations. So as I mentioned before, playing with less players, playing with a player extra, playing with two players extra or two players less. Um, if you're playing if you're playing a team and they're putting you under high high pressure okay how do we adapt to that and how do we how do we build around it and how do we get a spirit of success um, again technical and tactical stuff aside I think this year I've note I've worked a lot more in the psychological corner in terms of adaptability and, and showing a lot of resilience because I think that you know a, a group I've been working with this year sort of in the YVP phase, you know, they, they become very frustrated and, and not controlling what they can control. I mean, getting getting frustrated over referees' decisions, they've got to adapt to those things like that. They're not going to get every decision from a referee. They've got to be able to adapt. Um, the moments after scoring a goal or conceding a goal, how do they how do they react and adapt? I think again, adaptability, it's a lot about mindset, I think, um, alongside all the tech and tech stuff. But Again, as I mentioned before, in terms of, you know, my own practice, you know, I think an example that I could come up with is, you know, we try to follow academy structure right the way through in terms of formation. I think I threw a curveball in one game, particularly this year, I turned up and said, right, well, we play four three three every week, but this week I turned my tactics boards around and we played the 3 4 three, and instantly you could see faces around the room were like, oh, oh wow, how, how are we going to adapt to this? And I gave them 10 minutes, I stepped out the room, I left them with a big flip chart paper. You come up with the tactics and strategy. How are we going to play with this formation that we've never played today? And I gave them the scenario that, well, I've seen the opposition team sheet and I've seen their formation and I think this is the best today. But how how are we going to play against it? So again, throwing them in the deep end, um, giving them the ownership and you know, developing these like deeper learning leadership skills in the changing room, 10 minutes where I'm not involved. And I came back and the flip chart was absolutely full to the brim of of ideas of how we should play and different systems and different rotations within that formation. So, you know, I think young players do surprise you when you throw them in at the deep end. And I think it's a it's a bit of practice that I've I've enjoyed doing and and I've got a lot of success with uh, quite recently.
0: Decent. And then like how did you manage that in terms of there was loads of information on the paper. Like what did you kind of what was your kind of take or message and like where are you going to go from
1: there? Yeah, so we sort of condensed it down into, you know, there was lots and lots of different ideas. So we condensed it down very simply into three in-possession principles, three out-of-possession. Um, we agreed on in the in the next 10 minutes. We agreed on the three in-possession, three out-of-possession, how are we going to play? Uh, and we went from there, really. Um, sort of had a, you know, very open discussion about it, uh, which I can say, honestly, every single player engaged in. So, there was quite high levels of engagement, um, but there was also that bit of, bit of structure and that bit of guidance from myself and my assistant
0: uh, once they come up with lots of ideas. Is there anything around kind of, it doesn't have to be in football, it doesn't have to be in academy football, it could be professional football, another sport. Have you ever seen any like, really good examples of a team adapting to something? Uh, oh yeah, well, speaking from your own experience, just in education uh,
1: as a teacher, I think again, education is very similar to football and, and sports and professional sport. It it's constantly changing. We're constantly getting sort of new guidelines, the 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 characters that we're getting in classrooms, the, the different types of behaviors, the different types of personalities. And as a teacher and as a teaching team, we've got to be able to adapt to those to those needs of the individuals that we're getting in our lessons. So again, I say you can you can complicate it all you want, but it's about you know having a lot of a clear structure and clear vision and clear communication as a team, uh, as a teaching team on on how we're managing certain individuals. One teacher might see a specific individual different to the next teacher, but I think it's it's also it's it's important that we've got that clear continuity as a as a staff. But again, it's adapting to you know, for example, before, previously I'd never taught a, a student that was very very high on the ADHD spectrum. So that that was a, a it was about me adapting, me teaching, um, and again the other staff, other staff adapting, um, to to the needs and in the individuals that are in your lesson, um, and in the classroom, again taking it back to football, I've coached players with who, who've got ADHD and who might struggle in certain sessions or might struggle the way they want to, they want things spoken to them about or communicated to. Again, as as a coach, myself, you've got to be able to adapt to that. So again, it, it's. It's a bit of mindset. How have you changed your behaviours then in in, in them, situations? In them situations, yeah. just done a lot of research around you know how to differentiate and you know differentiate the needs and how to sort of plan my coaching around the needs and individuals within the session more on an individual basis. So, for example, the use of visual aids, the use of video, the use of one-to-one chats. You know a, a lot of a lot of players now turn up and you know they don't like being spoken to in front of big groups and I think as coaches we need to adapt to that. Um so I think it's having one-to-one chats. Um it actually happened to me on last Wednesday actually I put a player during a team talk put their hand up. I didn't have my tactics board on me. Uh, said well I, I need that explaining to me with a tactics board because I don't understand what you're talking about. Fair play they've challenged it. I've legged it to my car and got my tactics board out and and explained it, and they've come back and said, you know, that, that that was brilliant the way, the way you've explained it. I can see make sense of it now. So again, it's about me adapting to the needs of individuals in me, in me, uh, in me sessions
0: and in, in the, on game day. Yeah, and then how does how do them kind of meet? And so you talk about like in educational setting or like I said, it might move in your coaching setting, and market. How does the MDT and the staff? Like, so what do those conversations look like, and how do they plan, and how do they almost like periodise stuff into to be adaptable to these kids? Again, a lot of a lot of, a lot of meetings, and a lot
1: of you know, a clear clear sort of vision at the very start of a year, and obviously you get thrown a curveball again. It comes back to being adaptable, but it comes back to just a lot of communication and a lot of trust within staff that that you know, there's a there's that clear continuity between you know what we're doing and how we're supporting an individual. Um, and and being and being top class at it. I mean, you're never ever going to get always get it get it right first time. So, for example, we're adapting. We may make a few mistakes, but it's important that we reflect on it as a staff and as individual staff on how we can do things better and how we can adapt better. Um, maybe down to more preparation. Um, and again, just communicating that through staff. So, it comes down to preparing, having having, having sort of a lot of tools. Tools in your toolbox to to
0: be able to adapt to that and to different scenarios and different individuals. Yeah. And then just like kind of flip it a little bit. So, in terms of take for instance a player in your group or um, your best player in your group, what does it look like in terms of the best players with the best adaptability to situations?
1: Yeah. So, I I think a a lot of the way academy football is going, I think. You know, we need to have a lot more hybrid players in the academy system. I mean, the way, you know, players, you know, are under 12, they may be playing centre-back and then become comes to under 14, under 16, they're playing full-back or they're playing centre-mid. Or So I think they need to have these skills in their toolbox where they can be adaptable on the pitch. And I think, my personal opinion, that they're always the better players, the ones who are adaptable. Or you'll say, right, go and do a job for me out there or go and do a job there. And, and they sort of rise to the occasion. They've got this open mindset of, you know, I'm willing to learn and take on board, you know, what what you're coaching me. If you ask me to go and play left back for for twenty minutes, I'll adapt and I'll 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 take it on board. I think they're always the best players who have that open mindset to adapt to different situations. I think the the ones who love a challenge um, and they love being challenged. So, all right, we'll adapt to this. And right, we've gone one nil down. Talk to me in your in regards to your position. How are you going to play? I think the best the best players thrive off it, and they love being challenged in that way. So, for example, um, I do I give a lot of individual challenges within me coaching. So, for example, okay, well, we are we are two players down. They've decided to go three up top against me, two centre backs, me two centre backs. Right, okay, well, how are we going to deal with this? And the ones who are quite bubbly and who ask a lot of questions, they'll speak to each other and they'll sort of rise to that occasion if you like, um, and be adaptable to that situation. In terms of, all right, well, we've got one nil up. We've got five minutes to go. Show me how we play. And you know, they will they, take it very seriously. They'll have lots of discussion, the communication, and the, the noise in the session seems to go up and up and up. Um, A game comes back to being challenged. Um, and I think they they're the ones that that stand out in your sessions. The ones that have this open mindset to be open mindset, sorry, to be adaptable um, and and willing to take on
0: board that information. Yeah. Do you do you observe that as well within the session? So again, coming away from probably more the the Q and A and within the breaks, but can you is there a time that you can describe where you've physically seen a kid almost the constraints of the session have changed or something's changed in the session, you've seen them almost just change their behaviours and and almost strive in that environment. Yeah. Subconsciously if players done it that way. Yeah, so
1: an example would be um, sort of playing through the third session this season, trying to get me my deep line midfielder to drop into the final to, to our defensive third to receive the ball. And obviously, went with a bit of free play to start and to get those sort of outcomes in. It was in a small sided game, no zones to start with. Um, and then I put the zones in. I said, right. Well, now you, you I don't want you to receive the ball in the, our final third or our midfield third. I want you to try and go and get it off the goalkeeper in our defensive third. And instantly, it was right. Okay, how am I going to do this? So there was a lot more scanning of his shoulders, a lot more movement, um, again scanning, moving away, moving into space, receiving on the back foot, and it instantly sort a of change. his behaviours, if you like, because he's adapted to that environment. The, yeah. Right. Okay. Let's exa- Let's let's imagine they're playing with a nice big high press. You know, and there's a big, massive gap between their forward three and their midfield three. That's where I want you to go and receive the ball, and again, putting it into context for them and explaining it. Okay, well, this we might play against a top three who are, who are giving us a high press, and can you drop into that gap between their forward three and midfield yeah. three? And I think giving them context like that, if you, you see a change in behaviour and a game that adapts into that that state of the game, if you like.
0: Yeah. And how 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 much failure did you allow in that session with that one player? I'm, I'm one of these. I always allow a lot of failure within
1: the in the sessions because I think if there's no mistakes or no failure, then they're not really learning. So obviously, I allow failure to happen, and then obviously go around the, the coaching process through to it. Okay, well, we've seen this mistake happen. Ask their opinion on it. What could? What do they think they could do better? I'll give my opinion. Have a little walk through it. Again, given them giving them. Obviously, it is all opposed giving them challenges and sort of, all right, well, how can we make this easier or how can we make it harder? But if they're struggling, you know, I do let mistakes happen and failure because I think it's important for them to see where they're going wrong and they need to understand and reflect on it. Okay. So tell me why, tell me why that's not worked for you. Okay. Well, why can you expand on that? I sort of, every time they give me an answer, I go, well, why? Then they'll give me a second answer. Okay. Well, why has that happened? And why has that happened? And just having that deeper conversation, because um, I think a lot of a lot of kids these days, boys and girls at that age in the in the YDP, that they're, they're, they're terrified of making mistakes. And I always say to them, you know, the best place to make mistakes is here. And if you're not making mistakes, then you're not learning anything. the, the practice or session might be too easy, then you're not really getting nothing out of it, or you're not learning anything.
0: Is there a way of kind of observing that? Because again, you've seen you spoke about like a, a soul session on its own where you've seen Player adapts and get, be stretched and get better and better and improve on on that challenge you've gave. Is there a way or a means that you've you've seen that, that adaptation over a week or two weeks or a series of sessions where potentially seeing that resilience kind of bite uh, that resilience kind of setting of it's going to take a little bit more time
1: than just one session. Yeah, definitely. Um, the player in question I've been speaking about there in terms of that that little session. I think we had his review recently and I said over the course between Christmas and now, it's one of the biggest things that he's got better at because he's been constantly practising, still making mistakes, but you you started seeing it a lot more in games and the behaviours and, and things like that were coming out more in games when it was going from a small side of game in training to the bigger picture, 11 v 11, 11 on a Saturday or a Sunday. Um which was which was big for me, and it had shown that you know he, he'd, he'd learned from it and adapted his game. Um, again, the use of video um, showed him a video close to Christmas of what was going wrong. He, he's obviously acknowledged it, uh, and then showed him the last two or three games where he's done what we've been coaching, and the fact that you know he's done it he's done it much much better. Again, still the odd mistake, but again, it's a work in progress. But you know he'd gone from maybe a four out of ten to doing it to, to a strong eight strong seven or eight, which it showed signs of
0: improvement for me over the course of, what, four or five months. Brilliant. And then just just in regards to kind of your environment of of an academy, as we know, like from season on season or every two seasons, players will move on to another coach or another set of coaches or into a different phase. Um, How important is um, the adaptability of a player going from coach to coach and being able to almost still thrive in that environment? Yeah, I think I think this is a big one at the
1: moment. I mean, the uh, you know, I think a lot of academies, you know, they tend to keep certain you know coaches at different age groups. I mean, for me personally, I think you know players need to get around different coaches. Everyone coaches differently, but um, well, I, I do agree personally. The players need to adapt to the different coaches. Every coach has got different demands. Whether you work in an academy, every coach has got different strengths and weaknesses or areas for development sorry so i think it's important that that players get a good blend of different types of coaching for example you know they might spend a year with me you know with doing what i'm good at vice versa they could go and spend a year with you and and get a lot more out of it um so i think getting players to understand that uh, especially younger age groups is is difficult because i think that their their primary focus is on just just improving
0: yeah uh,
1: and i think they need to see I think it might be quite difficult for them to understand. Well, you know, you need to move coaches and you know and vary it up. Uh, but I think as once they understand that they can learn a lot more from different coaches, I think that's the buy-in really. Uh, but I do, I do, I do think it's important for players to adapt to different coaches. Again, they're gonna you know let's say they do have a career in football, um, you know I, I hope they all do. Um, they're gonna play under you know on the average career maybe what four, five, six, seven managers. Some play more, they're gonna be they're gonna be asked to play in different systems and different formations that suit yeah. that coach. They're gonna play under managers that might be a bit aggressive. They're gonna play again, play with managers that might be very calm and very collective, but they they need to they need to sample a lot of different types of characters and different demands of different coaches. I think the, the, the more they do that, the younger age groups, the better, which will put them in good stead as they get older as I say if they if they want a career in football they're gonna be able to put, they're gonna to have to be able to adapt to different managers and, and different
0: characters inside the session room or a club environment. And on the flip side, how would you manage that in regards to staff? So how would you prepare the next coach to work with that player that you've previously mentioned around dropping into the pocket, working out different different ideas to get on the ball? I
1: think, again, it comes to... So, for example, so it, it, it works sort of, you know, perfect, really. I mean, so if I was leaving an age group, for example, and handing them over to another coach, I think it's important that there's that bit of a handover period. So, for example, a way I could do it is, right, okay, you're taking these next year, come and spend six weeks with these. Not not. It's not the case of a week or, the, or a session. You need to come and spend, I'd say, six weeks minimum be involved, be around the group, get to know the group, not, not just as players, but just as people. Um Get them to know you, maybe lead on little bits of the session and, and dip their foot in a little bit. But definitely sort of have this handover period, not just, right, right, well, you're done with me now, there you go, here's, here's Joe blogs. see you later. I think that's a bit unfair. So I think definitely let the new coach who will be taking them over, come in six weeks, six to eight weeks, take parts of a session, Get involved in the discussion. You know, get round the group. Don't don't be too worrying about, you know, all the technical and tactical stuff. Just observe and observe them as people and players. I mean, first and foremost in Academy, that, that for me they put people and kids before they're footballers. So I think it's important that they understand the different characters that they're going to inherit. But yeah, definitely just have that bit of a handover period uh, rather than just
0: right, box ticked, you're done with me. See you later. Yeah. No, brilliant. It's interesting, like I said, trying to work the dynamic of when is it best to, to support and almost like guiding, leading through and when's, like you said before, dropping it deep and go, no, just go and deal with it. Yeah. Because again, I can imagine, again, from experience, you've still got the kind of parent-kid relationship and parent-coach relationship to manage around how every all the work you've done within a session, how's that then obviously transcribed at home and, and extended to there? Yeah. Um, yeah. You mentioned in the start, like in the beginning, you were talking quite a lot around what ifs, and that was a big kind of bulk of what you wanted to talk about. So, I'll just let you elaborate on that, mate, and, and let you take yeah. it from there. I mean, again, it comes back to sort
1: of you know me coaching methods early, and you know again the interventions I use and and how I do it, uh, and around my best practices. So uh, as I said to you before, I try to make the practices as varied as possible. Presenting a lot of problems, as I mentioned before, and I'll mention again, but you know, it's a it's allow it's given the opportunity for the players to suggest solutions. Um again, I mentioned before about the example where I chose a different formation on game day, giving them 10 minutes uh, to prepare, which was which was one example. Um again, it, it's important that the kids understand the football's constantly changing, you know, as we've mentioned before. Um another example that you know, we've played, I'll give them a scenario, right? Okay. We're playing an 11v11 11 11 trainer match. I want I want the blue team to sit in a very, very low block. Okay, red team, I'll take them. Um, right, well, they're sitting in a very, very low block on the edge of the box. How are we going to deal with it? Um, and This came into really good context, really, for the players. We played a, we played another Cat 3 team who literally scored in the first minute and sat on the edge of their six-yard box for, for 89 okay. minutes. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing, but again, for 89 minutes, the, the lads became so frustrated, got very angry, and ended up getting beat one 0 And I think that was down to just being running out of ideas in a game. They're wanting to win, they're wanting to be aggressive, they're wanting to push forward, and we sort of didn't have a plan B. Um, and I, I took part a little bit of a blame for that because I thought I stepped back and thought, right, well, they need, they need to, they need to practice this and adapt to playing against a very low
0: block.
1: We took that into training, um, spent a week on attacking against a very, very low block. Again, a lot of information from me, a lot of guidance from me, but a lot of the information came from them. By the end of the week, it was like, well, okay, well, why didn't you do this last week on the Sunday if you're coming up with all the answers now? So, you know, we we spent a week on that and, and how to adapt to it. Lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, we played the exact same team. They'd done the exact same thing. One nil first minute, sat on the edge of the six yard box, and we ends up scoring four to win four one. And I think that was a you know again not about the results, but it was just the way we played and it was much better. Um, so they adapted to that situation a lot better mm-hmm. than they did the three weeks previous. So again, that's another what if moment. If they sit in this low block, become it's becoming quite a common theme in this in this and world. So it's about giving them the tools to you know to to develop themselves, the de- the tools to have a discussion and. You know, the technical tools as well, all right, and being creative and just being, you know, self-evaluate the situation, if you like, and giving them ownership and power.
0: What things did you observe in that first game? What things did you observe in individuals that you can remember? So, yeah, um, just in terms of body language and
1: attitude and and character and, you know, levels of resilience, I mean, all the technical stuff was there. In, In a way, it was just you know, becoming very frustrated, you know, in terms of when we'd lose possession, it was they'd just hoofed the ball forward. And they were becoming very frustrated at that. And I'm thinking, well, you can't control how they play. But we you know, we need to control how we play. Um so I think it was just it was, it was standing back and observing all that. Um as I say, I I wanted to see how they'd deal with it a lot rather than me over coaching and trying to push for the result. So it was good to sit back and just observe the the characteristics and how people dealt with it, especially our forward players who got very, very frustrated. I don't think the keeper had a lot to do because their back four and their two sold midfield players were just winning everything, dominating, just smashing the ball forward. And it was interesting to see the levels of aggression and resilience. And I think after about 70 minutes, the lads got very frustrated. and It it didn't turn out very well for a few of them, um, just in terms of attitude. So, it was good to just observe that, and you know, again, reiterate the message: control the controllables, control how we play. And obviously, yeah. as I mentioned, four weeks later we went back and done a bit of reflection,
0: and 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 done much better. It's really interesting in terms of just hearing how you work with it, mate. And again, like I know you personally, and and the way you do work, um, just to kind of add like a bit of like a negative connotation to it. But like, what would probably a poor practising coach maybe doing that scenario to take away all them kind of learning opportunities that, that you want to see
1: yeah
0: I mean I think
1: I always think in academy football I think it's you're not there to chase results I think you know I think the the very very easy thing for me to do for example I took you know I took a lot of uh, me stronger gifted and talented players off a of half time initially to because to become very very frustrated so I think poor practice would be to keep them on, get them even more frustrated. So when it sort of they blow the top, I think we stick to the same formation. I think you know we were trying to develop a bit of a pattern of play in terms of that formation. I think probably poor practice might have been right. Well, we'll go, we'll go even. We'll go three. We'll go four up top and just push and push and push. We'll result result like resulting doing being very direct, which I don't think's you know. I don't think it's beneficial for them. Young players, you know, I do try to get them to play through the third. So, again, yeah. me just saying to the keeper, just get it into the box. Everything just being long and direct. I think that might have been quite poor from me. Um, and, you know, you, 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 you'll you know yourself, Lou, you, you see it happen. Um, pushing for the result. So, again, yeah, changing the formation, changing the tactics, keeping all the stronger players on, and, you know, just pushing for the result rather well, than
0: sitting back and just observing yeah and what about yeah what about coach behaviors in that so again, know you talk about sitting back and observing, but then what would again the other, the flip side of the coin in terms of coach look like in that scenario i think the
1: way i i think if if it was sort of negative the coach you know giving off bad bad body language and bad just bad necessary language bad coaching language, just being very negative on the sideline about you know trying to push for the results, I think obviously you're as a coach, your enthusiasm and your passion rubs off on the players, so I think if for me on that day, if I was to turn very negative and start being very aggressive and negative towards the players I think that would have been very poor for me or as a coach um, yeah, so I think again, it's about being positive and you know again, being a guide but not giving them too much information again, throwing them in that deep end a little bit Uh, and then obviously towards the end of the game, calming the situation but again, if you wanted to do it on the flip side, you know, he could have come off that pitch one-nil down, could have been very aggressive, called them out, called them out for all kinds, you know, <laughs> picked up on every mistake, which yeah. focused on the
0: negatives, if you like. Yeah, no. And just going like I said, just with the what-if stuff, is there anything else you want to add yeah, yeah. around? No, I'm I've, I've focused on like a
1: lot of like you know, technical and technical what if moments there. I mean, you know, we've had things this year where, you know again, mindset stuff where they've been 3-0 up in a game, the team have come back and, you know, it's been 3 all, and it's like, wow, right, okay, well, what are we going to do now? And you sort of run out of ideas because they're a bit deflated. So I think it's having this mindset of showing resilience and being adaptable, right, well, we've been 3-0 up, we've conceded three goals, How are we going to manage the game? And again, adapting to the character, adapting to the character of the other team and the characters they have, um, Another one for me is, you know, um, climate and environment. I mean, speaking from experience, I, I had the I had the uh, the fortune to go and take part in the Dallas Cup with me, be full time role at Everton. That uh, adapting to that in itself in tournament football in a very very hot climate with a lot of English players who struggled to adapt to the weather and the climate, and you know, again, technical and tactical stuff aside, you know. We we'll were playing some games with a little bit of altitude, playing in 30, 40 degree heat. Um, some games with no water breaks against players. You know, we played against Mexican teams, USA teams, obviously who who were used to playing in there. So it was down to us to maybe change the way we play, change our formation, change certain you know individuals to match up against their individuals into their strengths and play to their strengths a little bit more. Um, as I say, it, it's it's not just about the tech and tech stuff, it's you know, adapting to the environment and things like that. But again, I, as you say, I try to maintain as varied as possible, different size pitches, shapes. Um, you know, if if we had the luxury, I'd take them over and do some warm weather training for if that ever happened again. But obviously uh, money's a constraint at the moment. But
0: yeah, that was just another another example really. Yeah, no. And just like I said, just trying to Round it up a little bit, mate. Um, if you to like observe another practitioner or go and speak to someone, is there anyone that you've kind of seen out there that you think is really good at this stuff and developing this stuff?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I've got I've got quite a few role models in the game. Some that I know quite personally, and some some that I've worked with, and then obviously there's ones that you know I follow quite closely on social media and things like that. I mean. I think I sort of, I sort of got the, the what if thing came from um, a guy called a guy at Villa now, uh, Michael Beale. I, I read a lot of his stuff and do a lot of it, like reading to a lot of things that he done. Got a lot of his e-books and things like that. I think he, he opened me door really to, especially when I was on my B license. It was about coaching these what if moments and I done a lot of research around that and you know how to how to change systems and change formations and you know adapting to these what-if moments so what if they play three up front what if they play one what if they play five at the back what if we're reduced to ten players and you know d- done a lot of research and a lot of you know toyed around and played with a lot of sessions that can adapt to these situations so yeah he's probably one um, the, the the staff that I'm working with currently you know at Moreham, um, you know I, t- I try to stay and watch as many sessions as possible even with the younger age groups as we saw you know 77, 99 football. You know, I still love watching it and there's a lot of what-if moments that happen in that, you know, in terms of players getting simbined or play, players, you know, playing a player down or, you know, again, the heat and things like that. And, you know, it, it, there's a lot of what-if moments that can happen in football. It's a very, it's a very you know, changeable sport and yeah, change constantly. It? Um, so, as I say, but, you know, adaptability in these players, it, it enforces them to be creative. Especially with the younger ones, I think, you know, that they're, they're more take risks to try things. Um, you know, so you know, it brings out a lot of creativity, especially with the younger ones.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's really interesting. There's a couple of like I I remember speaking to someone from rugby around he almost called it like dislocated expectations and I might have spoken about this before where it was a a method in which they used from like a military kind of background where they really throw kind of the stress on on the player or the team around setting them up for a certain plan or tactic, like you said, and then suddenly yeah. the whole thing's changed, right? What are you going to do differently? Um, so it kind of links back to that, that thing around you where you're saying a team dis- going to into a low block. Can you play a suddenly goal? How do we deal with this? And is, yeah. is 70 minutes, is 80 minutes long enough to learn uh, and changing behaviours towards that or do they need a, almost like a periodised time span or a longer period of time to to kind of get over them and little road pumps to to see the progression. Yeah. Because, um, again, I think there's, and again, if you can think of anything off the top of your head, I think there's loads of industries probably away from sport where we can look at that and go, do you know what, they adapt really well to situations and, and going forward, it could be something that we we kind of steal and transfer into into our sport. Yeah, I mean, I think you'd only have to look. Obviously,
1: the biggest adaptable change, currently the current climate, was what happened with the COVID and how people adapted to that. I think every single industry had to learn how to adapt due to due to the current pandemic. So, yeah, COVID being a prime example on how different industries, not just football, as you've said, you know, hospitality, leisure, everything.
0: Yeah, that's a great point, and we'll finish on that. Brilliant, Nick Cheers, Paul